It's Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. on six of time it's wake up wyoming my name is glenn woods it's a monday and this week's weather forecast overall you just heard from don day there looks pretty good what went wrong okay we'll get into all of that in just a bit in fact don day will be on extended forecast 6 45 7 45 will be on here with me because when we get to thanksgiving it's actually kind of interesting. In fact, I'm going to play this for you just a, a little bit earlier than I want to. I'm going to get into this a, a little bit later. Don Day was looking at the weather forecast for Thanksgiving in advance, which is a little over a week from now, right? Yeah, we're already up to that. And he's looking at the weather forecast and the models. Now, there's the U.S. model where they take weather information that we have available and feed it into a computer program to see what the model says will happen. Then there's a Canadian model. Then there's the European model. There's a Japanese model. All of these models for Thanksgiving completely disagree with each other. And I mean by a lot. So here's what Don Day said about that. So here you have three models representing the same time frame using the same data to initialize. So this is why you have to approach all weather forecasts, whether it's a forecast for a 10-day forecast or whether it's a climate model for the next five years. This is, this is the variability you get. This is the disagreement you get based on how the models are built. Now, we're confident, and I read these articles to you all the time. People are trying to predict what's going to happen, not just on planet Earth, but in your region over the next five years, 10 years, 50 years. I read an article to you on Friday. Oh, we're, some, oh, was it, how many Americans? Yeah, most of Americans believe that the West will be completely dry and won't have any more rivers and, and lakes at named sometime in, in the future when they think this is going to happen. And it's speculation because we have no idea why. And part of the reason we have no idea why is, it, well, predictions based on modeling like this and also just a lot of guessing. Fact of the matter is there's too many variables. We really don't know. But I'll put that aside because I want to get back a little more into it a little bit later on this morning. Now, first story I actually have up for you has to do with schools because also last week I got into why so many people are going to charter schools and private schools and homeschooling has rocketed up in success. The number of parents homeschooling, it's never been so high. And more parents are doing it all the time. It's still not yet the number one, one way of schooling, but it is by far the fastest method of schooling in America. So why? I can give you a lot of reasons why. But let's add one more to the list of why. Headline. New Jersey Teachers Union calls for an ending of basic till skills test requirements. This is reminiscent of what happened at uh, California, which I'm trying to remember the school district in California, uh, I think a week or so ago I told you about this, where as the basic skills for kids in classroom 
Well, they don't want them to have that on the test anymore. The kid's not passing it, so what? Get the kid through class. He doesn't have to show that he understands the material in order to graduate. Well, here's this story. A New Jersey teacher union is pushing to eliminate basic skills tests for teachers, according to a statement issued on Wednesday. The New Jersey Education Association released a statement touting their goal to lower the bar for aspiring teachers and encourage allies to write letters to the governor supporting this. And they send out there on Twitter, we need you to take action. Last year, New Jersey eliminated the EdTPA barrier to become a certified teacher. Now it's time to eliminate another barrier, the basic skills tests. So New Jersey requires that candidates for teacher certification pass a basic skills test, and it names what that test is here, and reading, writing, math, et cetera, et cetera, and have certain scores before they can become teachers. The statement suggests the state's education department could have eliminated those requirements for those seeking to teach. Quote, when the New Jersey Department of Education adopted the change, the administrative code around a teacher certification, it missed an opportunity to eliminate this requirement, which is uh, was created an unnecessary barrier to entering the... I don't see what's unnecessary about the... I would like to know that my teacher has a certain level of skills, unless they think the test is really bad, but all right. Teachers in New York City successfully sued the city over their failure to pass a basic literary exam or literacy exam, arguing this disparity in passing rates between black and Latino and white test takers prove its bias. That I've never understood either. Because minorities aren't passing, but white people are, therefore the test is biased. Always kind of wondered why... Nonsense, as far as I'm concerned. Doesn't show that the test is biased. I would like to go back to the schools where those minorities learned and find out what's going wrong in their schools. Because these kids are smart enough to take it if they're taught properly. A judge found that the test violated Civil Rights Act because it did not show a meaningful correlation between a teacher's performance on the test and their performance in the classroom. So, okay. We'll see what happens there. But my concern, once again, why is it that we're lowering skills, not just for kids in school, but lowering skills for teachers in school? Now, if this test is actually a bad one, okay, let's take a look at the test. See if it actually is a good one or a bad one. But it makes it sound to me like they're trying to lower the bar for teachers. And I would want the most qualified teachers possible in the classroom. I think that's a big part of the problem that we have. But also, it adds to my understanding of why the list of reasons, not one reason, the list of reasons why so many parents have just pulled their kids out of school and decided to go again to charter schools or private schools or homeschool. And I still hear on occasion arguments against doing that, those who would like everybody to be in a public school. And the idea of taking students and money away from the public school is a horrible thing. How could you do? You want to shut these schools down. Well, if they suck, yes, I do. If you're a local public school, and it depends on where you are, because there are some public schools that really are just top-notch, excellent schools. 
really depends on where you're from, where you are, as to what quality of school and teacher that you have there. Not all public schools are bad. Not all public school teachers are bad. There's some very good ones out there. However, it seems to have gotten bad enough, and I don't see us raising the bar. It looks to me like we're lowering the bar on this. And I think part of, part of, and we got to add this to the list, of the reasons for so many parents pulling their kids was because of COVID, when parents finally had to take charge of what their kids were learning because the kids were at home. And they got a load of it and went, wait a minute, what exactly are we doing in school here? And decided that they needed a bit of a change. Yeah, that's why and still to this day, I'm a big proponent of the school voucher program. And if that means, again, some public schools go out of business, well, so be it. Let's quit lowering the bar. Let's raise it and set for the teachers and for the students. And yes, they can do this. It doesn't matter what their race is or anything like that. Well-motivated teachers can motivate kids when they know how to do it. And great things can be achieved. 6.15 is the time. Wake up. No chickens were harmed in the making of this show. Wake up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Dialed 888-97-WOODS to join the conversation. Six twenty-two is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. It is a Monday. So President Xi Jinping, if you want to call him president, a dictator would be fine with me. Coming from China to visit the United States. Okay, fine. One of his stops is going to be in San Francisco. Now, I wonder if while he's there at the western side of our country, could he possibly good, put in a good word for allowing coal to be shipped out of those ports? Because he wants it for his country, where they're building power plants. Coal power plants. Lots of them. And they would love to get out Wyoming coal because it's such good quality. Can't do it because of who's on the western shores here. But all right. Doesn't surprise me that before... Now, this is something that typically was a communist thing. Way back during, let's say, uh, the time of the Soviet Union. If some dignitary from the United States or some other Western country was going to go visit the old Soviet Union, they would make sure the people of the Soviet Union to give this person just the best possible tour. They would clean everything up. They would make sure that the grocery stores actually had groceries in them. They would make the place look really nice. And everybody would be all dressed up and smiling. Oh, they better be smiling. Oh, they better be so happy. But that's what communist countries do. They lie about what's really going on inside the country. So one of the stops is San Francisco. And as they, as the president of China arrives in San Francisco, the place will be cleaned up for him. So he's only going to get a tour of what San Francisco wants him to see, not what the reality is. Here's the story. Whoa, would you look at that? Turns out San Francisco does know how to keep their streets clean. And there's a picture of before and after. Because here's a street that would have been a very nice street, but it was just lined with tents and debris and homeless people and so on. And so, okay, they went in, the city did, and just cleaned everybody out. Because that's the route where the Chinese president's going to be taken down. 
Story says, yes, Chinese commie leader Xi Jinping is coming to San Francisco this week. And miraculously, the homeless problem has just figured itself out. So, from the uh, Twitter, I'm still calling it a Twitter, Twitter page, End Wokeness, San Francisco's homeless population was entirely cleared out. In preparation for Xi Jinping, the government can easily fix our cities. It just doesn't want to. Just kidding, of course, it says it didn't just figure itself out. The leaders of San Fran did this because they care more about impressing a commie dictator than they do about keeping the place safe for its citizens. Now, that's an assessment I can agree with. They managed to clean up using existing budget in just a matter of days. No one ex- can explain why they didn't do this a long time ago. Here's a reporter on the street. There. Yes, that's right. The summit is expected to bring in $53 million, filling hotel rooms, bringing big business. And the city did tidy up for Dreamforce, but this cleanup is much more extensive. While San Francisco is in the spotlight for the Asia-Pacific Economic Conference, city leaders are making sure the city shines. Tourism is our business here in San Francisco, and we need to focus on making sure that the tourist dollars still come back. Caltrans repaving major roadways like the Harrison Street off-ramp from the I-80. BART doubling down by deep cleaning their stations overnight more often. The city had gotten a little bit dingy over time. Scrubbing and power washing is happening all over the city. Yeah, the bottom of my shoes look clean. It's noticeable how clear the streets look and how few homeless encampments there are on major thoroughfares. Having been a longtime resident in the Bay Area, you just naturally start to wonder of like houseless folks being displaced. Public Works is installing decorative crosswalks in North Beach and Chinatown. And the Webster Street pedestrian bridge in Japantown was recently repainted. The Yerba Buena Gardens at the Moscone Center are decked out with new colorful landscaping and murals, paid for by the Clean California grant, just in time for the 20,000 high-profile CEOs and heads of state coming into town next week. How come they don't do this all the time? There's more to the story there. The, this reporter continues on, but all right. So um, another tweet here. A gentleman says, why are they cleaning up San Fran for Asian leaders? Why don't they clean it up for you, you know, the people who live here? Why don't they clean it up for me? We are important, right? We're the ones who vote for these people. Well, here's a thought. Just tossing this out there. Maybe you shouldn't vote for these people. Uh, Maybe you should just stop voting for these people, obviously, if this is how it is. Oh, they'll clean it up because someone's coming to town who's a dignitary that might bring a lot of business and money in. But you're the permanent residents. You live there. You pay the nonstop taxes. And you're the ones who vote for them. Maybe it's time to rethink who you vote for, how you vote, and try to find something else. Jay and Casper, Xi Jinping, or as I refer to him, Comrade Pinball. Oh, really? <laughs> Rhiannon for Danger. Does the article say how they solve these issues? Not really. It looks to me like they just kind of came through and told all the homeless people, get out, and just started pushing them out. And it doesn't say how exactly they did it. Though that would be an interesting question. Then they came in there with street cleaners and pressure washers and all this kind of stuff and got all. Then they started repainting things. Isn't this what the people of San Fran have been asking them to do? For years, 
and San Fran just continues to let it get worse until, oh gosh, the commie leader is coming. Better make it look good for him. Coming up on 6.30, local news coming your way right after local news update on your weather forecast. And you and I are going to roll back into it again. Don Day has an extended forecast at 6.45. We do have a guest at 7 o'clock, which I think you'll enjoy. I'll tell you more about that in a few minutes from now. Let's wake up, Wyoming. Glenn Woods. He talks to you, not at you. Be part of the show at 888-97-WOODS. This is Wake Up Wyoming on K2 Radio. Six thirty-six of the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Several people sent me stories within the past few minutes that I've added and hope to get to sometime this morning, hopefully. Those are some good stories. Thank you for that actually difficult to do just so you know the number of news websites that i scan every morning looking for actual really good stories not the garbage you hear on what used to be news networks and papers but they cover garbage now but so when people send me a story have you seen this usually the answer is yes i have but keep sending because now and then somebody nails something that i haven't seen before and i got a couple of those okay so Back to San Francisco. You're going to love this next part. So, for those just joining me, the city of San Francisco is getting a visit from Chinese dictator Xi Jinping. So because of that, they want to put their best foot forward. They clean out around where the dictator will be staying and working while he's in San Francisco. They cleaned out the streets. They pressure washed everything. They painted stuff. They made it look nice. One guy I just played from a news interview said, yeah, I'm walking down the street and my bottom of my shoes are actually clean. Yeah, he's not stepping in human debris or on broken needles, things like that. But then there's this. Democrat-run San Francisco will erect walls for security. Oh, walls? I thought they were against walls. San Francisco's homeless population, the story says, Entirely cleaned out for Xi Jinping. The government can easily fix our cities overnight, just doesn't want to. Then, taxpayer money used to protect the safety of the dictator. And they put up, it looks like a connecting metal fence. Imagine a metal fence. Uh, It's black in color, but it's a wire material. And it's framed in metal, and it's it's sections, right? And it goes probably about eight feet high, and it's all the way down the street. This wall is immortality, is it? Okay. Oh, 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 oh. They're quoting Nancy Pelosi here, talking about the southern border wall, okay? Last year, she called the border wall ineffective and wasteful. All right. California Governor Newsom former San Francisco mayor, by the way, called the border wall just a giant vanity project. It's not going to make anyone any safer. But okay, now we have Xi Jinping coming in and we have to erect a wall 
to protect anyone who might want to go after him. So as the dictator is walking down the street, he's going to have this barrier. He'll be able to see through it, but he'll have this barrier between him and the common folk out there for some kind of security. And that was thrown up, again, just basically overnight. Morning, Micah. She says, what we really need is more so than ever is to eliminate... Oh, okay. I'll get back to that in just a bit. Uh, Milo and Ford Danger. That San Francisco Tory reminds me of the movie The Interview. Hmm. So, let's see. The great San Francisco cleanup. There's another story I have on Xi Jinping. And then there's the wall going up over there. Okay. It's going to be really interested to see what happens when... Xi Jinping finally gets there. And oh, by the way, he's supposed to go to D.C. and meet with our president at some point. Unfortunately, he's not going to be meeting with anyone who's actually strong and forceful. So I'm not really, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in what's going to happen in the meeting. But okay, here's another one. Uh, dictator, it says president, dictator Xi, is coming to San Francisco and the city somehow figures out how to clean up the homelessness off the street, again, pretty much overnight. So there's a, several stories that have popped up on this on how the great cleanup began. Fresh paint, street cleanings, homeless camps, sweeps, and again, I'm with Brianne. So where do they push those people to? Where do they go? Workers beautified the city days before the executives and politicians and journalists all arrive. About 20,000 people in the city. The the international event is expected to bring about 20,000 people to stay in the city. I wonder how many protesters are showing up for this. They're clearing out the homeless people because nobody wants to see this. Grappling with family issues, drug addiction, mental health problems. They're pushing them out of, let me see... Uh, one person's hoping to get into a homeless shelter. She has been trying to for a year, but she's been on the street. They interviewed a woman who's been on the street for about a year. Would love to stay in a shelter, but can't get in one because they're overwhelmed. Well, usually I stay as long as I can when I can get in, but it's kind of hard because there are certain people who pick on you. They think they're better than you, she said. She's talking about life inside the homeless shelter. So that goes back to Rianne, your question. So where exactly did they put all these people? Another state? Further south? Was it like the scene of Soylent Green where the big trucks came down there, the big dump trucks, with the scoops on the front, and they just scooped up homeless people and dumped them in the back and drove them off to be processed for Soylent Green? 642, wake up my own. Covering world-ending catastrophes for years to come. It's Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Find content, chat live, and listen on demand on the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. 648 to time off. We go to the icebox where Frank Gambino is waiting by. Okay, Frank, let's get it out of the way. They didn't do so well. Boys, not so good. Okay. They, they came out flat. You know, they're... Six and four overall, three and three in Mountain West play. They can win at home and they can lose on the road. And I don't know if this is a fair comparison or not. Texas A&M, which is a big-time school with big-time money, fired their coach Jimbo Fisher, and his buyout is $76 million. And right now, the, the uh, Texas A&M is six and four, and four and three in league play. And he's, he was 45 and 25 overall in his time there. 
The AD says we made a decision to get rid of a guy like that mm -hmm. because the program was stuck in neutral. Is Wyoming stuck in neutral? Hmm. We had a listener a week or so ago ask you that very question on this segment of the program. Stuck in neutral. Yeah. That's pretty telling So for a big-time school like that yeah. because there's a lot of money involved. Are there a lot of schools that are stuck in neutral that, you know, they you make one step forward and one step back and then two steps forward and then one step back? Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's where Wyoming is now. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're a good, you know, a good team, but they're not great. And fans kind of wonder, like, whoa, what's going on here? You know, yeah. now they'll play in a bowl game, okay. you know, which is. But then again, on the other side of that, too, and playing a bowl game is great. I mean, that's what you strive to do. However, the bar is low for a bowl game. I mean, all right. I have to do is win six games. You, you, bowl games is not for, for excellent teams. It's yeah. for decent teams. Okay. Do, should... should People expect more. I, I'm sure they do naturally. Yeah. Should they be happy that th at least they're consistently going to bowl games like Wyoming is? Yeah. Okay. However, so, you know the, you got to yeah. say, they say, all right, what's the next step? So basically, here? you want to. So they don't suck, but you want to raise the bar. That's Absolutely. What I'm okay. That makes a whole lot of sense. And so I, now, yeah. And do we get a different coach? I I I still don't think so. I think okay. you know Craig, Craig Bowl is going to be there. You know, I um, mean. He's just. I think. I think it would. It would take something more monumental than this, right? For um, a, a coaching change. I mean, a lot more. So I. I think everything is going to stay the same. He can get. He can get athletes there. there, there there's for sure. Okay. That's for sure. So, it's just. You. You got to be able to win on the road. What about and some of the people under him? Well, that. That's. That's certainly that's deba debatable. Okay. Well, in college football over the weekend, the Wyoming Cowboys played themselves out of any chance at a Mountain West Conference title game uh, um, berth as they lost to at UNLV 34-14 in Vegas on Friday. As big a game as this was, the Cowboys just came out flat. They as can be as UNLV scored 21 points in the first quarter. To their credit, UW got back in the game as quarterback Andrew Peasley had a 32-yard run for a score. Wyatt Whelan scored on a one-yard run. But that's all the gas the Pokes had in the tank offensively. And that included a bad interception by Peasley near the end of the first half. UNLV found the end zone in the third quarter and kicked two field goals in the fourth quarter. The Cowboys are 6-4, and 3-3 three and three in Mountain West play. They've been good at home, 6-0, and oh, and they have been brutal on the road, 0-4. Oh They'll host Hawaii on Saturday afternoon in Laramie. In the NFL tonight, the Denver Broncos will be in Buffalo to meet the Bills. The Broncos are 3-5. and five. That's actually not too bad, considering they started out the season so poorly. The Bills, with former UW quarterback Josh Allen, 5-4. and four. That's not very good, considering all the hype this team got before the season started. In high school football, the state championship games were held Friday and Saturday, and 4A Sheridan three-peated as the state champs with a 31-3 win over Cheyenne East. Sheridan ran the table this year at 12-0. They've won 31 consecutive games. East finished the season 10-2, both of their losses to Sheridan. Star Valley repeated as the 3A state champs with a 27-0 win over Cody. Both teams finished 10-1. Torrington won the 2A championship with a 28-26 win over defending champion Bighorn. That was Torrington's first state title since 1990. Bighorn was the victor in the 1A nine-man championship with a 39-12 win over Wind River. That was Big Piney's first title since 2006. And in 1A six-man, Burlington won a state title for the first time since 1994 with a 42-39 win over Little Snake River. El Azar had won their previous 30 games. In men's college basketball from Saturday, the Wyoming Cowboys beat Cal Poly and Laramie 80-66 thanks to 19 points from Cam Manya, and he was 7-7 from the floor. Cowboys will be in the Myrtle Beach, South Carolina tournament this week. They'll play St. Louis on Thursday. And the Wyoming 
Cowgirls lost to Nebraska on Friday in Laramie, 72-51. And they will be at Denver University coming up tomorrow night. That's it in sports. Okay, so what worries me, and not just about UW, but when I hear you talk about some of these other teams, they haven't made anything in a while, right? And they finally do, and they finally win some championships. Yeah, it's good for them. But then next year, they're right back where they started from. I, I, I would say this. If you win championships, yeah. <laughs> You know, let let them enjoy the moment. Well, no, they do enjoy the moment. You see what I mean? Though? I've seen that happen a lot. Where oh yeah, well, they got that championship, but next year they're bottom of the barrel again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, when you when you know, like at the college level or the high school level, I yeah. mean, seniors graduate. Okay, they move on. Yeah. yeah. All right, thank you, Frank. Coming up on some local business that we have to talk about. Going to roll on into news time after that. National local update on the weather forecast. Wake up, Wyoming. Six of the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. All right. So, as you know, you go to the grocery store. Every time you go there, things are a little bit more expensive and just keep getting a little bit more expensive. To the point that after a little bit here, a little bit there, eventually they're outrageously expensive. There's a reason that, of course, prices climb this high. And I shouldn't say there's a reason. There's many reasons. One of them, though, we've talked about several times, just the price of energy. Now, energy is not just in the trucking industry. So much of what we do just to produce food, process, package, ship it, all involves energy. So Scott Engel, energy expert, is with us on, right? Thanks for coming on this morning, Scott, to talk about this. Because we're spending a lot of money at the grocery store. And I went and did my part to pick up my side of Thanksgiving dinner. It's kind of expensive this year, isn't it? It's absolutely ridiculous, Glenn. It's a it's a privilege to to join Wake Up Wyoming, your amazing audience in the Cowboy State, coming to you live from Cajun Country to Cowboy Country. And I got to wow. tell you, we got an insane national energy policy that is driving inflation. I think the experts tell us, Glenn, that about forty percent of overall inflation is driven by energy inflation. And the the, the sad thing about this, this is a manufactured squeeze on the middle class. It doesn't have to be this way. We have resources in this country, but this administration is hell-bent on vilifying domestic producers while begging OPEC to give us more. It's really, really insane. And it, again, it's it's a manufactured squeeze on the middle class. I'm noticing here on, on your list of what went up price-wise, one of the things that went up by 60% is canned pumpkins. Just between you and me, don't ever buy canned pumpkins anyway. That's just Sacrilege! Just not, don't do that. Not not a not a good idea. Not well, a good idea, you know whether no. it, whether it's sweet potatoes, it's rusted potatoes, yeah, it, it's whatever, it's whatever, it's, it's green beans, whatever it is. Look, our farmers and ranchers and truckers are getting hammered, and it's as a domino, you know, falling to the consumer. And uh, and look, we've seen the pain at the pump. Yeah. We, 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 we've we all, you know, felt the, the, the inflationary issues associated with not only food, but, but other things as well. And it, it would be so, so critical for our nation's policymakers to understand or to recognize, I should say, that we've had six recessions, Glenn, 
from 1973 mm-hmm. to 2019 in this country. And each one of those recessions were preceded by a spike in energy prices. Even yeah. where I'm from, six times in a row is a trend, right? I mean, this is incredible. We ought to know that energy prices drive out economic performance. And yet, in the name of the environment, we said no to American producers, and we said beg, begin to beg others across the globe. And it's unfortunate because I just take the Gulf of Mexico, for, for instance, uh, the Gulf of Mexico, 74% of the oil that we import into this nation has a higher carbon intensity ratio than Gulf of Mexico energy. Right. Look, Wyoming and, Wyoming and Louisiana may be 1,600 miles away uh, yeah. when we're driving. But there's a lot of common sense, and we know what we, we know what you know. When you take a look at Wyoming, total energy production number three in the nation, sure. Louisiana number eight. You know, just it's, we have the resources. We just need to unleash the inspiration and dedication of our USA energy workers, uh, and, and certainly you, your your listeners are getting hammered every day at the pump. And look, I'm hearing stories of senior citizens having to make a choice between paying energy bills and prescription drugs. So just really unfortunate. Right. right. Now, I am not a believer or proponent that CO2 is a pollutant or causing any kind of harm. However, for those people who do believe that, I think you make a really good point about, well, if it worries you, then why are we going way overseas to get energy that we have right here? And bringing it all the way back, wouldn't it have less of a carbon footprint if we just did it right where we are? In fact, you have refineries where you are. You can go ahead and bring the oil in right off the Gulf, refine it right there. That doesn't take a whole lot. That's not going to leave a big footprint. Well, you know, you're so right. I mean, at the end of the day, what this administration has done is in the name of the environment, in the name of the environment, they are, again, continue to vilify American producers offshore and onshore while, again, asking OPEC. But this is incredible. I think it was a 2016, a November 2016 report that was produced by your federal government. And under the Obama-Biden administration, that report said that if we were not to have uh, basically a, a robust schedule of oil and gas lease sales in the Gulf of Mexico, that would lead to higher greenhouse gas emissions. So the policy or the research said if we don't have lease sales in the Gulf of Mexico, we're going to have higher greenhouse gas emissions. But that's precisely what this administration has done. And they have delayed and delayed and delayed and slow walked lease sales offshore. And it's, again, unfortunate because the couple connections that your audience needs to know. Number one, um, offshore energy has been part of the um, American energy portfolio now for between probably for five decades over 13 U.S. presidents. But let me tell you what happened when folks were not looking. Under the Trump administration, one of the things that happened is we, we adopted the Great American Outdoors Act. And, you know, not only does offshore energy produce a lot of energy, but it also produces a lot of money. That money goes into the federal treasury. And the Great American Outdoors Act dedicated a tremendous amount of money uh, to uh, improving our national parks, our recreational areas, our forests and wildlife refuges. Just in 2023 alone, $118 million for the replacement of the Yellowstone River Bridge, $28 million to improve visitor safety in the Grand Teton National Park, $5 million for high hazard dams in Wyoming, $4 million for desert district. What I'm saying, Glenn, to you is that we connected from the Gulf Coast to the Cowboy State in more than just producing energy. Uh, we like to believe that we're helping uh, make the, the national parks and all those beautiful places that you have uh, just safer and more robust 
opportunity for for tourism. So we'd ask uh, your listeners to help support us as we're trying to do the same thing that you're doing in your state, and that's produce the energy to fuel this country. And add this to your research as well. So Wyoming, among all sorts of other energy resources, of course, has a lot of coal, and I mean a right. lot, and it goes... Number uh, one. Oh, yeah. Number one. And in fact, below the coal seams that we have, there's an even bigger coal seam that we can get, it, which is, and here's the key, it's better quality. If you want to talk actual pollutants, you know, sulfur and other things like that, this is some of the purest coal that's been found on the planet, right up that vein that goes up through Campbell County and on up into Montana. And there's other countries around the world that would love to get at that coal, but we can't even not just use it ourselves, but ship it off the West Coast to these other countries because the West Coast states will not allow us to ship it out that way. Some of the best quality, lowest pollutant coal on the planet, and they're trying to stop us from using it. Yeah, so our national energy energy policy has been the following over the last several years. Number one, vilified American producer. Number two, beg OPEC to give us more. And thirdly, draw down the National Strategic Petroleum Reserve to its lowest levels in 40 years. The result, high inflation, high interest rates, pain at the pump, and just a middle-class squeeze. So when you talk about the tremendous uh, coal that you have in that area, yeah, number one in the nation. And also, I would tell you that there are a lot of electrons that are produced here in Louisiana from uh, uh, was it Powder River, Powder River, Powder River mm-hmm. Basin? Uh, yeah. is that what it's called? That's yeah, it, right yeah, there. That, yeah, that, that that that's coming down to Louisiana and uh, and and producing uh, energy here, electricity. So look, we all connected, right? And yeah. you know, look, Florida Florida produces the citrus. California produces the citrus. Maybe uh, maybe uh, Kansas and Nebraska produces the wheat. Uh, maybe Michigan gets the cars. We all have. Uh, a, a place in, in in the union, and we have some really foolish policymakers at this point right now. Again, not recognizing that we've had these six recessions from '73 to 2019, and they all been preceded by a spike in energy prices. We sell yeah. more homes, we build more cars, we have a more robust retail and travel industry when we have affordable, not cheap, but affordable energy. And uh, we're hopeful at USA Energy Workers. Uh, which is a, a organization that I, I have founded uh, to do one thing: is to elevate and celebrate the the energy workers of our country. Uh, let's let's unleash their inspiration. You know, we like the old cliche, Glenn, that if you can read, thank a teacher. I think it's true. We'd like to add to that: if you can read at night in your warm yeah. or cool home, thank a teacher and a USA energy worker. Okay, so besides voting smarter, let's tell them about your organization. How can they help out through your organization? Well, what we're like to we'd like to do is is uh, again educate. We try to educate folks, and we we'd ask you listeners to go to usaenergyworkers.com. Very easy, thirty seconds to sign a nonpartisan uh, petition uh, that basically calls on our government leaders uh, to begin uh, a policy that's based in common sense. We'd like to think, uh, Glenn, that the the best path to uh, strengthening this country is through energy, and that's domestic energy. And we believe that there are three E's that we have to focus on. And somehow, some way, uh, perhaps over the last 30 years, red states uh, will focus more on energy, the blue states more on the environment. We believe there's a third E. It's not red or blue. It's bright purple, and it is the economy. And we believe that balancing those three E's is the best American energy policy. 
and we can do that through the USA Energy Worker by, again, accessing our domestic resources. Okay. And uh, again, just trying to educate folks on, on how important energy is to be an energy voter, if you would, uh, and to make sure that their candidates understand how important energy is to this country. Okay. You got a website or social media people can go to? Yeah, usaenergyworkers.com. Just okay. check us out, usaenergyworkers.com. I think you'll, you'll like what you see. Again, nonpartisan, just trying to get to the point where we can uh, we can bring common sense back to energy policy uh-huh. in this country. Thank you for coming on this morning. Appreciate it. Thank you, Glenn. All right, 717, Wake Up Wyoming. Yeah. Got something to say to Glenn? Use the chat on the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app and get your opinion straight to the studio with K2 Radio. Seven thirty-six. The time it's wake up, Wyoming. Okay, I would just been watching over my shoulder here on the ridiculously large television they put in my studio. And some people have asked, "What do I mean by ridiculously large?" It is, um, oh, maybe a little bit bigger than most people have in their living rooms these days. But that's not the point. It's on the wall, pretty much right next to me, and I don't need a TV that big this close to me. That's ridiculous. If they had way on the other side of the room, well, that would have made a whole lot of sense. I don't need this right here. And I used to have a much smaller television here, and I just kept a A news channel on. Fox News Raw, which is not like all the other news channels out, former news channels out there. All they do is just put cameras out there and say, here's what's going on. And I got to watch it happen live. Right now, they have three screens going of different events around. Uh, Gaza's up there, a couple of Gaza ones. And then there's what's happening in Los Angeles right now. So that's where I'm going with this. Los Angeles, California, there was a big fire overnight. As you know, they have a lot of freeways there and overpasses. And it was a fire under one of the... And some of these overpasses stretch for miles. There's a major fire that closed down a major section, and it may be, it's closed down indefinitely. And if you're thinking, what, all the homeless people under there? <clears throat> Pretty much, yeah. Here's the story. Los Angeles drivers have been warned of significant travel headaches after a major fire over the weekend forced indefinite closure downtown portion, right in downtown. The mayor described the closure as a crisis. Of course, everything's a crisis these days. Yeah, I don't think of it as a crisis, but it's a massive inconvenience for a lot of people. Ahead of Monday morning traffic, of course, there's an alert out there. Uh, about 300,000 vehicles travel that corridor every day. The uh, city is scrambling to assess what to do about it. There is no estimate on the timeline to fix this thing. The state's mobilizing resources. The cause of the blade is being investigated by the state fire marshal. Okay, of course, but now what burned? Once a hazardous material investigation is complete, structural engineers will be able to get in there and take a look at what's going on. So they got people in hazmat suits going on right now. Quote, you name it, it was stored on this site, said Gavin Newsom as he toured the location. Wooden pallets, cars filled with gasoline, boxes of oranges have been found under there. Firefighters responded about 12.30 a.m., and this, I've seen videos of this fire. Man, it was just huge. 
Wind pushed the heat and flames under the freeway that caused the street to ignite in a secondary storage yard. So they were using the area as a storage yard. No injuries. Uh, flammable material of all sorts under there. So most of it was a large storage facility for all sorts of things, including some hazardous materials. And if you're thinking homeless camps, some were there too, yeah. Although most of the material that burned there was not all homeless people in homeless camps. That some of that was there too. Was at the start of the fire? I don't know. But they stored a lot of stuff. So under the bridge, under this freeway, they stored wooden pallets, fuel, cars, I mean, name it. That's why so many different kinds of things. That's why they had to send in a hazmat team. Now, a homeless camp, of course, grows up around it because homeless people would love to go ahead and pitch their tents, make their shelters and so on underneath an overpass because at least that's a roof over their head, right? It's a loud roof, but at least it's a roof over their head. So that burned overnight. Again, I've seen some videos of this fire. It was pretty impressive. So now they got to get in there to see how much damage was done to the bridge because as you heat things up quite a bit, that starts to warp the metal. And as we found on 9-11, you don't have to melt the metal to cause a collapse. You just have to heat it up enough so it becomes soft. And that can cause a collapse. So that's what they're worried about here is how sturdy is this bridge after such intense heat. And, of course, I'm looking at this thinking, and that's Los Angeles for you, isn't it? Now, for those who missed earlier this morning in San Francisco, here comes in a week or two the dictator of China, Xi Jinping, is coming to visit. There's going to be a big conference held in San Francisco. So to make things look good for him, they went down and cleared all the homeless people off the streets where he's going to be, pressure washed everything, painted things, made it look really good because it was squalor and homeless people and needles and human waste and all that kind of stuff just a day or two ago. I just put up a meme a few minutes ago on my social media if you remember the movie Soylent Green, where the big dump trucks went down the road with the scoops on the front and picked up people and dumped them into the back of the truck. Yeah, that's what I did. And I said, Xi Jinping's coming to visit San Francisco. That's California for you. All the things you'll never see in Wyoming. 742, wake up Wyoming. He's not a politician, but his pants are on fire. Could someone grab an extinguisher? Wake up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. 45 is the time. Wake up, Wyoming. And off we go to talk to the man who gave us another great weekend. See, I should have had a round of applause ready for you, Don, because that was nice. It was. It was one of those pinch yourself moments yesterday, especially. Yeah. It's like, wow, is this November? Yeah, it really is. Now, for the rest of this week, we're pretty much saying, wow, is this November? Because it kind of stays this way, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. We uh, we do have a front that's going to be coming in as we get into uh, late Wednesday night and Thursday. It's one of these systems that mainly is going to impact the high country with a chance for some snow. There'll be a few showers in the plains, and it will make the end of the week a little bit colder, but it's not anything to write home about. And really, today through Wednesday, 
will be a lot like the last few days. Okay. What got me when I was watching your morning podcast on Cowboys Say Daily is as we look out, because everybody's already making plans for Thanksgiving and so on, we reach one of those points where there's absolutely no agreement about what could happen. Yeah, I confidence. I would call the confidence extremely low, <laughs> uh, at least from a from a weather prognostication standpoint for next week. And the reason that is, is that we have um, a wide variety of solutions. Uh, there should be a change in the pattern coming, and, and we do see part of that arriving Sunday into Monday. But some of the modeling is suggesting an Arctic outbreak next week. Um, that's one scenario, and that would be pretty significant because that would bring bad travel weather and all of those things for the Thanksgiving week and the Thanksgiving weekend. But we also have solutions that are downright warm, kind of like what we have going on right now. Um, and when you see that disparity um, where you could go either way, it's really hard to give anybody any advice for next week other than to say, uh, we need a few more days uh, before we can sort out Thanksgiving week. So there's no way we can vote on this or make a phone call or anything like this? <laughs> uh, you thing. can try. My yeah, experience right. with Mother Nature and humans willing Mother yes. Nature to do something is uh, not good. Not really. The track that, record that, is not good. That way. Oh, okay. So we all still know that it's coming, though. It's just a matter of, I mean, I, as I've said to you before, there's the wind-up and the pitch. So I'm still watching the wind-up out there. We just don't know when it's going to get pitched at us. Stay tuned is the best yeah. we can tell you. In the meantime, we've got more good weather to take advantage of if you haven't done it yet. Yeah. I mean, I talked to somebody that said, I, I'm going golfing this weekend. For, you know, forget my, forget raking my leaves. So, yeah. But, you know, you can do that. Yeah, you can. You are allowed. That's right. All right. Thank you, Don. Appreciate it. 748's the time. Well, no, really. I mean, this has just been a great few days. It's going to continue for a little while longer. Cannot last forever. Let's head over to the icebox. Frank Gambino is waiting. So, okay, Frank. You'll have to keep me up to speed on this one. All I know is I saw a headline about a Steelers game and a fight that broke out. I didn't see any of that. Okay. Where I was working on high school stuff. Right. So, a fight in a football game? What? Yeah, what? what? A fight no. In an NFL I mean, game? What? if I had said hockey game, you would have went well. Oh, well, yeah. So what? Yeah. You know, <laughs> there, there should be a few, you know? Yeah. Matter of fact, there should be more, you know, they're trying to kind of, well, that just happens in football. It does. You know, now, you, now if the guy's helmet got ripped off, you know, with his yeah. ears went along with it, that's... Not, that's a different thing, know, yeah. yeah. This one, what based on what little I've seen of the video here, it seemed to happen pretty much on the sideline, which, okay, so... Oh, this is the, among teammates? Uh, no, okay, so what I... And I'm watching it right here. So, okay, the ball is being chased here. They go off to the side. You know, everybody's standing on the side yeah. over there watching the game, you know, the team... And the two guys go kind of plowing through. Yeah. And then when they get up, all of a sudden, this this scuffle breaks out. And uh, one team is rushing in, trying to help their other team members. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Finally, it gets broken up. But, I mean, it, it didn't last all that long. I think it's just the way everybody went. Uh, and I'm guessing here, Frank. You'll have to see it and, and let me know. The way everybody went colliding into the sideline probably caused some irritation. I think they were just exchanging phone numbers for, you think for, so? for dinner you think after the a, game. Okay. Because, you know, I, I have noticed when it comes to football players, the way they greet each other when they're being friendly and funny often appears to everybody else to be violent. Right. Uh, yeah. are, 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 you, are, you, are you saying that they're, they're like, you know... 
multi-personality? Uh, big kids, basically. Just really big kids. Okay, but the few times I have seen a fight break out, usually it's on out on the field. Yeah. Not off on the sidelines. Well, with those late hits, when they go out of bounds, uh, yeah. can, can irritate people. Okay. Big, big time. You say, hey, well, you know, you're supposed to not do that over okay. this line. It didn't, I didn't see anything in the story about anybody getting in any kind of trouble. It was broken up. And they went out no, back out there and they played again. So okay, no detention hall, no nothing like nothing, that. It didn't seem that way, which another thing I thought was, unless I missed something in the story, that also seems kind of unusual. Because usually when someone starts a fight, they're going to be dealt with because, hey, we don't do that here. And they get fined more money than you and I will make in our lifetime. Right. Yeah. And then they, and then some, at least somebody said, hey, whoa, 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 guys, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, yeah, whoa. Right, Just to, right. you know. Yeah, okay. Disperse Back immediately. To the drawing board there. Yeah. All right. College football from over the weekend. The Wyoming Cowboys played themselves out of any chance at the uh, a, a shot at the Mountain West Conference title game as they lost at UNLV 34-14 on Friday night in Vegas. As big a game as this was, the Cowboys just came out flat in the first quarter. UNLV scored 21 points in that first quarter. To their credit, UW got back in the game uh, in the second quarter with quarterback Andrew Peasley having a 32-yard run for a score. Wyatt Whelan scored from the one, but then a all the gas the Pokes had in the tank offensively, and that has included a bad interception by Peasley near the end of the first half. UNLV found the end zone once in the third quarter and kicked two field goals in the fourth quarter. The Cowboys are 6-4 and four overall, 3-3 three and three in Mountain West play. They've been good at home at 6-0 and oh and just brutal on the road at 0-4. Oh They'll host Hawaii on Saturday afternoon in Laramie. In the NFL tonight, the Denver Broncos will be in Buffalo to meet the Bills. The Broncos 3-5, and five, actually not too bad considering how poorly they started the season. The Bills with former UW quarterback Josh Allen five and four. And that's not too good considering that all the hype this team got before the season started. High school football, the state championship games were held on Friday and Saturday in Larry. In 4A, Sheridan three-peated as the state champs with a 31-3 win over Cheyenne East. Sheridan ran the table this year at 12-0. They've won 31 consecutive games. East finished the season 10-2, both of those losses to Sheridan. Star Valley repeated as the 3A state champs with a 27-0 win over Cody. Both teams finished the season at 10-1. Torrington won the 2A championship with a 28-26 win over defending champion Bighorn that was Torrington since first state title in football since 1990. Big Piney the victor in the 1A9 man championship game with a 39-12 win over Wind River. That's Big Piney's first title since 2006. And the 1A9 man game, Burlington won a state title for the first time since 1994 with a 42-39 win over Little Snake River. LSR had won their previous 30 games. In men's college basketball from over the weekend on, on Saturday, the Wyoming Cowboys beat Cal Poly in Laramie 80-66 thanks to 19 points from Cam, Cam Manuel. He was 7-7 from the floor. Cowboys will be in the Myrtle Beach, South Carolina tournament this week. They'll play St. Louis on Thursday. Wyoming Cowgirls lost to Nebraska on Friday, 71-52, and they will be at Denver University tomorrow. That's it in sports. Okay, first of all, Big Piney is a cute little neighborhood. I've been out there. Really nice. Uh, Somebody told me there's only like one restaurant in Big Piney. Yes, it's small. And then you have to go, if you want some really something to go to eat, I mean, really, like yeah. like Pinedale or, or you, like you Marbleton or something. You have to go out of town, something. yeah. It's a cute little community, but there's not a whole lot there. It's uh, well, it's, it's like that, it's that Jonah Field that's running that place. Yeah, it's like going when, to, it, when it what when, when you know. Yeah, nice little community, but it's like going to KC. Let's say you know. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, KC's nice. It's very nice. Little it's community. the coldest place in the lower forty-eight. Is it really? Oh yeah. Okay, I'll have to. Talk. I know some people in KC. I have to ask them. No, no, not KC. Big Piney. Oh, Big Piney is. Okay. One of the coldest places in the lower forty-eight. Well, and it doesn't. It makes sense because their elevation is kind of high. 
It's just cold there. But it's just cold there. And they're sort of at the base of some mountains, yeah, too. Yeah, it's just time. cold so, there. Right. It's an inversion thing. Yeah, all right. Thank you, Frank. Coming up on some local business we have to take care of. We're going to roll into news time after that. National local update on the weather forecast. Open phones in the 8 o'clock hour. It's Wake Up Wyoming. So many opinions, we had to build the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app to hold them all. Free download from AM 1030 K2 Radio. 4,300 strikes and tunnels, too. Fox News, I'm Therese Crowley. Day 38 of the war between Israel and Hamas. Israeli aircraft and ground forces have conducted 4,300 strikes, about 300 tunnel shafts where Hamas are taking cover. Fox's Trey Yanks in southern Israel. Overnight, the Israelis ramped up airstrikes along the Gaza Strip. They've been targeting not just the northern part of Gaza, but also the central part. Palestinian media reporting that Han Yunus, Gaza's second largest city, was hit overnight. The Israelis are working to support Support their infantry troops that are operating on the ground inside Gaza. Much of the fighting is taking place near the Al Shifa Hospital in the center part of the northern Gaza Strip. We understand that the Israelis have offered the hospital some fuel and also the evacuation of civilians, but they've been having trouble in the communication with Hamas and also the health ministry inside Gaza that reportedly refused the fuel that was offered by the Israelis. IDF says 44 of their soldiers have been killed since the ground operation in Gaza. Israel says it tried to supply fuel to a Gaza hospital that its troops have surrounded, but Hamas refused the fuel, and Hamas now claiming two babies died for lack of power. U.S. warplanes striking a pair of facilities in eastern Syria used where Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard are training fighters, taking out six to seven Iranian proxy fighters in retaliation for attacks against U.S. military bases in Iraq and Syria. And Israeli troops on the ground in Gaza with a delicate mission of keeping civilians safe but eliminating Hamas soldiers. Israel leader Benjamin Netanyahu. We're proceeding as quickly as we can but also as carefully as we can because we want to minimize uh, civilian casualties and we want to minimize uh, casualties on our side while maximizing the uh, the uh, casualties on the uh, of the Hamas terrorists. On NBC's Meet the Press, America is listening to Fox News. With the holidays upon us, the increase in traveling, shopping, and connecting online also heightens the need to protect your identity and finances with LifeLock. Identity thieves see this time of year as an opportunity to drain your accounts, open new loans in your name, and damage your financial future. LifeLock detects and alerts you to the threats you might miss on your own. Don't let the busy holiday season catch you off guard. Save up to 25% off your first year with promo code CLAY, LifeLock.com, promo code CLAY. More than 38,000 U.S. veterans are experiencing homelessness across our nation. Through its Homeless Veteran Program, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation is providing housing assistance and services to U.S. veterans in need. Over 500 veterans helped last year, more than 2,000 to receive help this year. If you or someone you know is a veteran who is homeless... Wagner's Outdoor Outfitters is stocked to the brim with Black Friday deals on guns, ammo, ice, fishing equipment, and more. Start browsing now at wagnersoutdoors.com. Partly cloudy, brisk, and breezy at times, but mild. Temperature readings are going to be climbing into the 50s to lower 60s today all the way through Thursday with overnight lows, mostly 20s and 30s. 
to Thursday dry, windy, a little bit cooler, 50s for Friday. I'm day weather meteorologist Don Day. What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination, our sense of wonder, and our family bonds grow too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, we reconnect with each other and build family memories we will carry with us forever. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. It's easy. Just put in your zip code to find family-friendly outdoor destinations near you. You'll also find guides to free activities, games, and amazing forest facts. Give the magic of the outdoors to your kids and reconnect with your family. Find a forest near you at discovertheforest.org. That's discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Having low income can mean making tough choices. Choosing between paying for food or medication or a place to live is a reality for many people. Do you know someone who could use some extra help? Find out about the Supplemental Security Income Program, SSI, administered by Social Security. You could receive monthly SSI payments if your income and financial resources are low and you are 65 or older, or an adult or child with a disability or who is blind. SSI is money you can use to help pay for basic needs, like putting food on the table, keeping the lights on, paying the rent. It can mean new shoes for growing feet or help with medical needs. Call 1-800-772-1213 or visit ssa.gov SSI to schedule an appointment or start to apply today. That's ssa.gov SSI. This message produced by Social Security at U.S. taxpayer expense. Matthew. Oh, oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. It's 8.06. It's a Monday. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. This is the most dangerous time of the program every single day. Most talk show hosts, I don't know why, will do open phone Fridays. Now, I give you some open phones every day of the week. And then Friday, it's the entire program. So there's always a chance for you to vent, get it off your chest. Warning. 
Wake Up Wyoming is about to enter daily open phones. This means that anyone will be allowed to call in and talk about anything. I mean, imagine if we actually allowed you on air to say anything you wanted. Scary, right? Well, we're just that brand of crazy. If you are offended by what other people think, then maybe you want to tune out right about now. Just saying. If you should choose to call, just remember, the more funny and interesting you are, the longer Glenn will keep you on the line. Obnoxious jerks will be hung up on. <coughs> Dave, <coughs> all right, strap in and let's do this thing. Triple eight ninety seven woods phone number, that's 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. Or what so many other people do, you can grab the Wake Up Wyoming app and send me a text message by touching the chat option. And the Wake Up Wyoming app is free at your app store. It does a lot of things for you, but we don't charge you for any of it, including the chat option or to listen to old programs. Those old programs become, well, it becomes a podcast shortly after this program's off the air. All right, so I want to go back to something I was talking to Don Day about last hour, but also I played this cut early this morning. If you weren't with me at 6 o'clock in the morning, okay, so you sleep later than the rest of us. Don Day does a video every morning of the weather where he shows what he's talking about usually about five to six minutes long and he shows uh, the different charts and graphs and so on and explains why the weather is happening the way it is so we can get it not just to know what's coming but to get a visual for why it's occurring the way it is so there's no question right bit of a problem when it comes to about the Thanksgiving week because there's models, there's the European model, the American model, the Canadian model, the Japanese model, to name a few. These are weather programs that were created, and everybody takes the same information, no matter where they are, and they dump it into their models. And these models will crank out a prediction of what they think the weather's going to do. Now, as Don Day says all the time, models are not reality. They're, they're just a tool to use to get an idea of what's going on, to better understand. But that doesn't mean it's going to happen. I say that because oftentimes you hear predictions, especially from the cult of climate change, of what's going to happen in the future. And then it doesn't. Because someone made a computer model, and often these models are just garbage. Okay, Sometimes they're not garbage. They're a good tool, but they're not accurate. Three of the weather models that Don Day was looking at, well, in fact, all, he looked at the Canadian, the European, and the American model for Thanksgiving, and none of them agree. And it's not that they're a little bit off each other. They're all way off each other. So I was asking them last hour, right here on air, what's going to happen Thanksgiving? Nobody knows right now because the models are that far apart. Now, it's the way he said it that got me. So... Here you have three models representing the same time frame using the same data to initialize. So this is why you have to approach all weather forecasts, whether it's a forecast for a 10-day forecast or whether it's a climate model for the next five years. This is this is the variability you get. This is the disagreement you get based on how the models are built. Now, I, I played that again this morning because I wanted to get a little more into what that means. Let's take a look at some of the predictions that were made even just recently or within the past few years in your lifetime. One of them is in Antarctica. We were supposed to have 
a much warmer Antarctica in all sorts of melting snow and ice. Now, some of you folks out there make a mistake when you say, hey, if all the snow and ice melted, it wouldn't raise the sea level. And you use the analogy of an ice cube in a glass. If the ice cube melts, the level of the water stays the same. That's true, but all of the ice and snow in Antarctica is on top of a continent. Antarctica is a continent. It's a landmass. The North Pole's not, but the South Pole is a landmass. And if all of that melted, sea levels would rise. If Greenland melted, all of the ice and snow on top of Greenland, sea levels would rise. Now, what oftentimes the cult of climate change fails to understand is when we have melting glaciers in Greenland and in Antarctica, a lot of that has to do with the fact that there's a, a lot of volcanism happening underneath. It's a very volcanic area. And sometimes that heats up and melts snow and ice. Here's a headline for you. Antarctica temperatures fall in the past 20 years, not rise. Those who have been keeping track of the numbers. Now, I can't say all of Antarctica because, like anywhere else, temperatures are not the same everywhere. Here's what the story says. The continent of Antarctica is a difficult hunting ground for climate apocalypse. The fanatics, uh, since they have been barely uh, any warming at all over the past 70 years. The exception is West Antarctica, where there has been some climate variation, possibly helped by significant geothermal activity. Of course, that is enough for a scare or two, so don't expect to see reporters, mainstream media, uh, stating the new evidence that, in fact, over the past 20 years, the temperature in that area has actually dropped. By the way, this reminds me of those... There's been several times when ships were sent to Antarctica... There's a huge bay on one side of it. We're going to go there and show you the bay is supposed to be full of ice right now, but it's clear because of climate change. And they show up with their ship and they get stuck in the ice. That wasn't supposed to be there. This happened at the North Pole, too. In a paper published by the American Meteorological Society, a group of international scientists note a statistically significant rate of temperature decline with the strongest occurring in the spring. During this season, the temperature fell every decade between 1999-2018 in the winter, and it talks about how much it fell by and so on. Though the graph uh, plots temperatures, it does show that in the 19, let's say, 50s, the temperature was higher, and then it dropped, and in the mid-60s, it rose a bit, but then dropped way down. In the 1970s, the overall temperature of Antarctica went up, especially in the mid-1970s, quite a bit, and then it dropped again. By the mid-1980s, the temperature in Antarctica went up, but then it dropped again. And from the late 19... Well, I'm going to say mid-1980s until today, the temperature has been slowly but steadily decline, decline, decline. It is currently the coldest out there since we've been keeping temperatures. It is currently the coldest out there since human beings have been keeping temperatures out there. Okay. Not getting hotter. So, um, once again, and, and I'm going to go back and, and 
play that again, uh, what I just played from Don Day. He was talking about just out to Thanksgiving, but listen to all of what he has to say. So here you have three models representing the same time frame using the same data to initialize. So this is why you have to approach all weather forecasts, whether it's a forecast for a 10-day forecast or whether it's a climate model for the next five years. This is this is the variability you get. This is the disagreement you get based on how the models are built. And don't forget it was Al Gore who was repeating a climatologist who said that we were supposed to by now have the Arctic, North Pole, ice-free in the summer times. That was supposed to already be happening, and that hasn't happened at all. Hang on. Somebody grab the microphone away from Greta Thunberg, and I mean that literally. We'll do that next. 815, wake up my own. Want to talk to Glenn? Call 888-97-WOODS or chat him on the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. This is AM 1030 K2 Radio. 8.20 is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Eric and Laramie has been hanging on for a while. Thanks for hanging in there through that whole break. What you got for me, Eric? Hey, um, you remember the earthquake that moved the island of Sumatra 120 feet? I think I remember hearing about that. Yeah. That's the one with, that caused a great, like, flooding stuff. Okay. But however, what I was getting at is that during that time, they said the earth shifted by six feet, right? Hmm. But, okay. I mean, I mean, that's a normal behavior for, 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 for the plant. world. You yeah. know, yeah. things change. That's like the, uh, platonic, the, the tectonic plate. Sure. You move the continent. Things so constantly change. You're going to, Right, you're going to you're going to notice change one way or another, but it doesn't mean the Earth is cooking or freezing. No, well, and, and let's I even look at this. Okay, the way we're pointed right now, because we are slowly pointing uh, here at the northern hemisphere away from the sun because of the Earth's tilt, but that That's tilt right. has a slight wobble to it. So every few thousand years, it's the opposite. So by this time right. of year, it would actually be our summertime. That's one of a long list of things that changes the climate constantly. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what's funny is I, I like to watch things about like ships going through Antarctica and stuff. Yeah, right. And you know, you still can see it and you see those ships going through and see these guys walking along the ice, jumping aboard the ships, getting a ride. So yes. I mean Yep. If it was really melting, that wouldn't be able to happen. <laughs> well, in fact, here again, Al Gore said a few years ago that, and it's supposed to have happened by now, we've passed the date, that the North Pole is supposed to be ice-free in the summertime. And the polar bears are supposed to be gone by now. Well, none right. of that's happened. And when he's questioned about it, you know, he blows it off and makes excuses for it. But he said it, and it didn't happen. That's right. And the polar bears have come back more. Oh, yeah. So I don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah okay. they're just radical, uh, irradical thinkers, you it, know? It's um, a cult. It really is. Yeah, it's absolutely. a doomsday cult. I feel it is. Like, yeah. like almost everything that's going on in our, our country these yeah. days with our uh, administration and the, the so-called president. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> All right. But um, I just... Hey, thank you for your time. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Anytime you want to, to call. Yeah. Anytime you want to call in, Eric. No, no problem at all. Eric's an army calling in. So, oh, by the way, there's a bunch of, uh, I mentioned Greenland earlier. I think it was Greenland that I saw a bunch of uh, earthquakes and volcanism happening right now, which has always been a very active area. So, okay. The Virgin Thunberg. There's a reason I call Greta Thunberg that. Because 
she was asked, she's in her early 20s now, and she was asked about, by the media, any boyfriend or relationships of any kind or what? And she said, no, she's not doing that. She's busy saving the planet, so she's never been involved with anyone. And every cult needs their version of the Virgin Mary. So I started calling her the Virgin Thunberg by her own admission. So a man jumped up on stage when Greta was speaking and pulled the microphone out of her hand after she made some pro-Palestinian comments. So here's the story. Greta Thunberg was interrupted as she addressed a climate protest in Amsterdam Sunday after inviting a Palestinian and an Afghan woman on stage. The Swedish activist was speaking to a crowd of tens of thousands in the Dutch capital before the country heads to the polls for a general election vote. As a climate justice movement, and this is, I'm quoting her, as a climate justice movement, we have to listen to the voices of those who are being oppressed and those who are fighting for freedom and justice. Otherwise, there can be no climate justice without international solidarity. After the Palestinian and Afghan women women had come onto stage and spoke, Ms. Thunberg resumed her speech. But a man went on stage and told her, I have come here for a climate demonstration, not your political points of view. Well, I hate to say this to you, pal. Uh, Greta Thunberg's climate points of view are her political points of view. They're, they're one in the same. Now, I, I'll go back to what he said. I've come here for a climate demonstration, not a political view. Well, a climate demonstration is a political view. It's also a cult. It's, it's several things in one. The man's identity, not clear. It talks about what he was wearing. Ms. Thunberg appeared to be, uh, she, Thunberg appeared to be wearing a Palestinian uh, keep, you know, that scarf they wear. Earlier proceedings had been interrupted. A small group of activists in front of the crowd waved Palestinian flags. So, okay, the guy's trying to grab the microphone from her. Climate policy is one key area, the policy area, the story says, that political parties are fighting over. So, you see, it is political. Organizations claim that 70,000 people took part in the march. It wasn't that big. It was big, but not that big. Thunberg was among those walking through the historic heart of the capital after that. But, I mean, here she is trying to make a point, and the guy jumps up there and starts yelling and tries to grab her microphone. How dare you? Don't do that to the Thunberg. I mean, this is the Greta, after all. She is, I mean, head of her religion here. The high priestess, if you will, as I've been calling her, the Virgin Thunberg. Okay, so anyway, that happened, and here she is trying to... This goes back to what I've said about many uh, other things, like when we had uh, Bud Light take a political and social point of view. on It was more of a social point of view, and it hurt their business. And my answer was, Bud, just sell beer. Don't take anyone's point of view on anything, left or right or center or whatever. Just sell beer. Uh, Greta would do a whole lot better if she just did her climate thing. Because now she's trying to cross the streams. There are people out there who are getting upset with her. So just stick to your climate thing, Greta. That's what your audience wants to see. One more on this. We'll get into another topic in the next segment. But Europe's largest wind farm is facing bankruptcy. 
we're having the same exact problem here in America with wind farms, especially those off the coast that are supposed to be built that are not going to be built. This says Europe's largest offshore wind farm is facing bankruptcy, is filed for, uh, well, basically reconstruction, as they call it there. And they're looking to phase out parts, big parts of the wind project as well in order to try to save the entire project. In other words, the wind farm is obliged to pay the costs of intermittency. They're supposed if the energy they're providing is intermittent, they have to pay a cost to make up for that because they're not supposed to be supplying intermittent energy. That's how their contract is. And they can't live up to that contract because it's wind power and wind power is intermittent. And that's driving them into bankruptcy. The highlights, the story says, of the worthlessness of wind power. Yeah. Okay. So here's a, a quote from the story. When the wind farm is not producing enough, they are forced to buy more expensive electricity on the market and sell that to the people who desperately need it. That was part of the deal because people want to make sure that their energy is not intermittent, that it's reliable. Now, when they go buy that reliable energy, do you think they're buying it from wind and solar? No, of course not. No, they have to turn to natural gas or nuclear or coal, something like that. You know, the reliable energy, the affordable energy. All right, coming up on local news, right after local news, update on your weather forecast. I got different topics for you coming out of this news and information break. Hello, Mandy. You mentioned Don Day does a weather video. Where can I see it? I will send you a link. You can also find it on Cowboy State Daily, by the way. Mandy's listening in Kimball. Let's wake up, Wyoming. Wake up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Join the conversation at 888-97-WOODS. Hey, 36 of time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Okay, once again, we're at this point. It's by the end of the week. This is not going to surprise you. Your government is ready for another shutdown again. We go through this every year at this time. Now, if you're, if you're thinking, didn't we just do this? Yes, we did. Just recently. So they were coming up on a government shutdown, and Congress couldn't figure out what to do. Because here again, you're talking about a group of mostly inept and not very smart people. They don't know how to fix anything, and they just make things worse. Despite all of the money that they borrowed... Tens of trillions, teens, more like in the teens of trillions. And your president lying to you, no, I've uh, <clears throat> I've reduced the deficit. No, you've increased it vastly. And, and, and don't think I'm just picking on him. The House, the Senate, Democrat, Republican. Keep increasing the debt. So after all the money they borrowed, you would think that they wouldn't be running out of money, but they are. So just recently, just a few weeks ago, I should say a month or so ago, they decided to go ahead and kick the can down the road and they passed a continuing resolution because they couldn't figure out how to solve this problem 
They're at odds with each other. What the Republicans are trying to do is we'll go ahead and pass a budget, but there needs to be actual meaningful cuts. I appreciate the Republicans doing that because over the years, they keep saying that, but neither party can say that they're reducing the deficit. Both are massively increasing it. So, okay, that kicking the can down the road continuing resolution is running out. Time is running out. Here we are again. Here's a story from Fox News. Speaker Mike Johnson, Republican Louisiana, going to need help from House District to pass his plan from averting the government shutdown this week. Johnson is facing his first big legislative test. It's uh, November 17th that we reach that government shutdown again. I know there are some people who disagree with me on this, especially those uh, in politics. My answer was let it let it shut down. And I've explained why, because it never really is much of a shutdown. Most of the government doesn't shut down. And then when they restart it, they spend a bunch of money trying to get it restarted again. But most everything doesn't go away. Disasters don't happen. People don't die in the street. The longer your government's not doing anything or passing laws or anything like that, the better. In fact, when we didn't have a Speaker of the House for a while and nothing was getting passed, good. As far as I'm concerned. The less they do, the better. So our new speaker unveiled a possible solution Saturday, last Saturday, from a short-term government funding extension. There we go, kicking the can down the road again. However, its lack of spending cuts is threatening to bring deep cracks to the House GOP. And this I will give some credit to the current crop of Republicans in the House anyway. They want actual meaningful spending cuts. Forcing the majority of Republicans to once again choose between meeting the GOP hardline demands or working with Democrats. At least five House Republicans voiced opposition to the continuing resolution as of Monday. Representative Chip Roy, Texas. Let me see. There's the uh, Warren Davis, Ohio. Bob Good, Republican, Virginia. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Georgia. George Santanos, a Republican, New York. With just a razor-thin House majority, GOP leaders can only lose four Republican votes along party lines. Here's a quote. My opposition to a clean, continued resolution just announced cannot be overstated. Uh, Funding this level of spending for just 75 days into the future, said one of the representatives here. I mean, just in other words, just enough. And it talks about what others have said the same thing. I'm not in favor. They would vote against a continuing resolution. And they're also going to vote against passing any kind of a budget that doesn't have meaningful cuts in the same time. So what you're going to hear is, oh, they don't pass this. They want people to die. Well, the last time we had a government shutdown that was of any meaningful length length of time at all, was when Trump was in office. We also had one when Obama was in office, too. And personally, for you and I, nothing really bad happened. All of these horrible things that you hear are going to happen don't happen. Showing, once again, my more libertarian stance that we can go 
with a lot less government than we currently have. That's not true with everybody. There's that one guy. We now rejoin our uh, hero, social justice warrior, as things have gone terribly wrong with the world. He and his sidekick are hunkered down in his apartment, the cellar of his mother's house, where he's over a year behind in the rent torn a government shutdown. Why did you buy so many cases of ramen noodles? I'm not going to buy some real food from one of those preppers' sites. I'm not supporting those Nazis. I'm already sick of eating them. Quit looking at the cat like that. Hmm. How long have we been down here? Um, six hours. Lord, government shutdowns feel like they go on forever. It must be like total chaos outside. Like The Walking Dead or the movie The Purge. Or something like that. Honestly, I'm not sure how anyone thought they could survive a day without the government. What the hell is that? OMG, do not open that window block. It's our neighbor, average white guy. Yeah! The government is shut down. Heck yeah, no more stupid laws and government bureaucrats. We're free, we're free! Will our heroes survive the government shutdown? Will he totally freak out when he finds out things are a lot better with a whole lot less government? Find out next time in the continuing episodes of Social Justice Warrior. Squirrel! So it's uh, typical that there are those who are going to panic over there, especially your news media. I remember some years ago, it was a, a host, I don't remember her name, and I think she was on... MSNBC, I think. When we went through a government shutdown, she looked at the camera with all concern in her eyes. I mean, deep concern. And said, your government has shut down. And again, nothing really bad happened out of that because we can go with a whole lot less government. But now, think about, again, I'm going to be fair and pick on both political parties for this. Think on where we've been over the years. In my lifetime, as spending just continues to increase to the point that we're having trouble keeping up with the interest payments on the debt at this point. And neither party seems to understand how bad this is for the country should we default on this. They want they they want to go ahead and pass uh I want to I actually now that I think about it is is it just going to be a continuing resolution are they going to pass a budget but also, are they going to have to vote to raise the debt limit again? I'd like a question on that. Because they recently raised the debt limit yet again. Without at all thinking what that does for our credit rating as a country. At some point, there's no way we can keep up with all of this. And it comes crashing down. And if you thought the Great Depression was bad. And the answer to this is to make serious cuts. Now, to make the cuts that are really needed... It's not just a lot of the littler things that you hear me talk about. That certainly has to happen. But that also is going to mean serious cuts to those people who are taking advantage of Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. Because those those three programs are paying out way more than they're supposed to to people who shouldn't be receiving it. That's got to happen. But there's no political will from either party. 845, wake up.
Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on air, online, and on the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. Be part of the show at 888-97-WOODS. This is K2 Radio. 8.48 is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Off to the icebox we go. Frank Gambino is waiting by. So, Frank, I assume your house has a garage, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. What do you have in your garage? Junk. Okay. Can you fit your car in there? Yes. Okay. Which was a major accomplishment. Mm, right. Okay. So it took creative packing. Right. That's okay. Against stuff against wall that I don't want to get rid of, but I okay. should get rid of it. I'm not. I guess, see, that's what most people do. They jam pack their garages with all sorts of stuff that they never use. Well, some of it is my, my entire TV history. Oh, okay. On machines, I don't even have any, uh, uh, on tapes, I don't even have machines to play them on. You know, there is a place in town. I don't, I don't have money for that. Oh, okay. You can go ahead and get your own equipment and do it. That I don't have money time. for that either. You don't take it. Oh, okay. But that's the stuff I still well, you're keep. you're screwed. Okay, so my garage. Now, there is a classic car in my garage, but it's not uh-huh. mine. It's an old Mustang, but it's not mine. Ooh, 67? Uh, I forget. I have to ask somebody. But it's really nice. It's really nice. Then uh, on the other side of the garage is where I put a nice couch. There's an Oriental rug. It's a man cave, Frank. That's a big garage. Yes. Well, it's uh, not huge, but it's... It could cozy. fit. It could fit a car and a half. Or, you know, cozy. It's cozy. It's cozy. Yeah, there is a guy, according to Oil City News, Casper Man turned his garage into a pop culture hideaway. Uh huh. He has art on the ceiling, art down the walls. He's got couches. He's got paintings everywhere. He's got collectible items, collectible toy cars. I see in the picture here. I mean, this just goes on and on. You walk into there, it's like walking in. You would expect it to be some kind of a shop where you can go ahead and buy old knickknacks from way back when. Yeah, like license plates. Yes, and toys and pop culture stuff, you know, but guy pop culture stuff. Route 66 signs, stuff like this. Really looks nice in there. None of it's for sale. Oh, here's an old Texaco sign. Mm-hmm. Ooh, you ever have... Um, She's is it Shriner S I N N S I N E R beer Shiner Bob yeah. Shiner beer I okay. love it yeah. he's got a sign boy that's that's going way that's, back that's, that's that's a Texas thing yeah. oh he has collected a oh here's a poster about the uh, Titanic like from the original movie hmm. yeah I mean from way back when I mean oh he's got stuff all over the place so so if somebody says hey where's Bill at. Yes, he's, he's the out there with his collectibles. He, he's in the garage. Can you fit a Does car? Does Bill even go in his house after yeah, can, all that stuff in the Can in the he garage? fit his car in there? No. Does he need to? No. College football over the weekend. The Wyoming Cowboys played themselves out of any chance at a the Mountain West Conference title game as they lost at UNLV on Friday night, 34-14. As big as the game this was, the Cowboys just came out as flat as can be. UNLV scored the first 21 points of the first quarter. To their credit, UW got back in the game as quarterback Andrew Peasley had a 32-yard run for a score and Wyatt Whelan scored from the one. But that's all the gas the folks would have in the tank offensively. And that included a bad interception by Peasley near the end of the first half. UNLV on the end zone once in the third quarter and kicked two field goals in the fourth quarter. Cowboys are 6-4 and four overall, 3-3 three and three in Mountain West Conference play. They've been good at home at 6-0 and oh and just terrible on the road at 0-4. Oh you know, Texas A&M says that they're stuck in neutral and they fired their coach. Wyoming's stuck in neutral. 
while they host Hawaii on Saturday afternoon in Laramie. In the NFL tonight, the Denver Broncos will be in Buffalo to meet the Bills. The Broncos are 3-5, and five, but actually is not too bad considering how poorly the season started. Bills with former UW quarterback Josh Allen 5-4. and four, That's not too good considering all the hype that this team got before the season started. High school football, the state championship games were held on Friday and Saturday in Laramie. In 4A, Sheridan 3 peated as the state champions with a 31-3 win over Cheyenne East. Sheridan ran the table this season at 12-0 and they've won 31 consecutive games. East finished the season at 10-2. and Both losses were to Sheridan. Star Valley repeated as the 3A champions with a 27-0 win over Cody. Both teams finished at 10-1. and Torrington won the 2A championship with a 28-28-28-26 win over defending champion Bighorn. That was uh, Torrington's first state title since 1990. Big Piney was the victor in the 1A 9-man championship with a 39-12 win over Wind River. That was Big Piney's first title since 2006. And 1A 6-man Burlington won a state title for the first time since 1994 with a 42-39 win over Little Snake River. LSR won their previous 30 games. In men's college basketball on Saturday, the Wyoming Cowboys beat Cal Poly 80-66 in Larry. Thanks to 19 points from Cam Manuel. He was 7 of 7 from the floor. Cowboys will be in the Myrtle Beach, South Carolina tournament this week and play St. Louis on Thursday. Wyoming Cowgirls lost to Nebraska on Friday in Larry 7152. They will be at DU tomorrow night. And that's it in sports. Torrington is still celebrating today. Oh, I'm sure they were. And they will be all week. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was getting updates on the phone, like, okay, we're in Hawk Springs. We're yeah. in Cheyenne, you know. Mm-hmm. Meet them, meet them at the field. You know, the, they'll have a parade and a big pep rally. And yep. you know what? Those, those smaller towns like that, they deserve that kind of stuff. Oh, sure. Yeah. I just, in fact, that would be the kind of game that if we go back there a decade or two from now, there's still going to be people talking about it. Oh, of course, yeah. Remember that day when... Mm-hmm. Torrington so, won the state title in Laramie, yes. Yeah, so, so that means that all the kids that played on that team... Oh, they're heroes forever. Oh, well, they will. Anytime they want to come home and get a free beer at the local pub. Indeed. Absolutely. Thank you, Frank. Coming up on some local business. Oh, I'm sure. Guy can walk in 15 years later. Yeah, you know, I was the uh, quarterback for that team. Here's your beer. It's Wake Up, Wyoming. Sixth of the time, it's Wake Up Wyoming. It's a Monday. Triple eight ninety seven Woods, the phone number. That's eight 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 ninety seven W O O D S. Okay. Wyofile here in the state of Wyoming. Property tax ballot measure will slash local funding. Hmm. Okay. Hang on, let's take a look at it. A statewide ballot initiative would effectively half, cut in half the rising property tax bills for certain residents, but would slash education and local government funding as well. That's according to a financial analysis uh, by the Secretary of State's office, Department of Revenue. The proposal now being circulated for signatures would exempt 50% of the assessed value of property used as a primary residence at least six months out of the year. The property owner would also need to have been a state resident for at least one year to qualify for the exemption. Former Republican candidate for Governor Brent Bien is leading the charge on this initiative, which is being proposed amid a notable rise in property taxes around the state. We, quote, wanted to see what the state legislator would do last session, 
Bien told Wildfile, and he said nothing happened. So, of more than a dozen bills aimed at providing residential property tax relief lawmakers, the story says settled on three. One, to expand an existing refund program for low- and middle-income homeowners. And two, to lay the groundwork for more ambitious future reform. That was insufficient, according to some voters like BN. Quote, we're not in uh, complete in competition with the legislator, he said. But we want to get these guys going, and we want to light a fire. So there's a petition out there. That's the whole idea. He wants to get a petition going. In fact, what I'll do, and Miss Mary, I'll send you a note on this, but I'll go ahead and I have Brent Bean's contact information, and I'll let, ask him if he wants to come on a program and talk about this. I, I bet he will. And then I'll go ahead and forward you his, his information if you don't have it, a phone number and all of that so we can get him on the program to talk about it. Now, another one, Cowboy State Daily, Rocky Mountain Power Claims astonishing up to 30% rate increase not due to wind and solar. It says renewable. I'm correcting them. There's nothing renewable about it. The story says days that can be extremely hot or cold have become increasingly more difficult for power providers to manage Wyoming and other states across the West. The reason for that are twofold. Pacific Power Corp. manager of net power costs and told Cowboy State Daily during a public service commission during a recent seven-day marathon of hearings to the 30% rate increase. The hike includes 21.9% overall increase and 7.6% temporary bump to recover from unexpectedly high fuel costs. So the first change he testified was the introduction of something called energy imbalance market, which began in 2014. It allows utilities to make automated transactions for the lowest energy costs available for real-time customers. It has seen as a, it's seen as a necessary tool for integrating wind and solar power. But that's only part of the reason. He said the second change is increasing the number of extreme weather events going on last, yeah, like 2022, which are leading to spikes. Utilities across the industry, he says, in the West are getting to, uh, to have a lot of uncertainty these days when these events show up. And so that uncertainty to simplify, well, it can cause you to hoard energy because, well, you don't know when that's going to come, so you hoard energy. He says, with wind and solar's volatility and those resources proliferating across the West, utilities have this great amount of uncertainty when it comes to the causes, uh, what causes them to hoard energy. So in other words, build up a stockpile of energy, right? And when they hoard energy, of course, no one wants to let go of that energy. They don't want to sell it because they needed to ensure that they're able to provide reliable service for customers. Improving that situation, he says, is what two large transmission lines going up in Wyoming are all about, as well as additional wind energy resources. That's what that's all about, he says. Uh, so the resource plan with Rocky Mountain Power, which is operating in a division, showed a 1.89% gigawatt deficit by 2025. That prompted the company to send out a request for a proposal for new generation resources. He says, this diversified generation portfolio 
was driven by economics, not any specific state policies. They were produced through competitive soliciting that weren't limited to renewable generation. He said, Gateway South Line is going to uh, integrate about 1,600 megawatts of of zero-fuel-cost renewable generation. I kind of doubt it will reach that much anyway. And he says it will provide about 12 million in net benefits for the first three months of operation. I think he's overestimating that. Coal and gas remain 60% of the company's generation with no plans to retire any more coal plants for the next decade. It should be not just the next decade, but at all. He said both fuel sources are seen as essential in smoothing out fluctuation in what are wind and solar sources. So in other words, he's just he's admitting here in order to have wind and solar, that's not reliable energy. You have to have a reliable backup for it, which is coal and natural gas. But in the next two years, Rocky Mountain Power will build out about $10.6 billion in new infrastructure that will include wind generation and transmission lines. Despite the high price tag, Rocky Mountain Power has pushed back on the idea that wind and solar are driving up the 30% rate hike. Okay, now the story here gets into a bit more. It's on Cowboy State Daily. Uh, a bit more detail but again, I just read where he said right there, we're going to be building a lot more of this wind and solar, but that's not what's driving up our costs. And by the way, wind and solar, he's saying, are, well, they're not reliable. He flat out says it. We need to have coal and natural gas and so on in order to have reliable energy. But wind and solar are not driving up the costs. Every time I read what this guy has to say, I have to disagree with him. I think it is driving up the costs. Is it the only reason that they want to raise your rates by 30%? I don't think it's the only reason, but I think it's a big part of it. If you really want to build affordable, reliable energy across the country, not just here in Wyoming, not just out west, then what you want to do is make sure to produce reliable energy with affordable fuel. And that's not wind and solar. And for God's sakes, quit calling it renewable or green, or sustainable, or affordable, because none of that's true. The reason I read all of that was because the guy on one hand is trying to say, we're not raising your rates because of wind and solar. And yet, as I read what he said, it seemed to me, correct me if I'm wrong, that wind and solar play a a pretty important part into why they want to raise our rates. I wouldn't say it's 100% the reason, but I would say it's a the majority of it, based on what I just read to you. The stories on Cowboy State Daily, read it yourself. There's a lot more to it than what I just went through. And see what you think, based on what this guy says. Coming up on 915, Wake Up Wyoming. Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Got something to say? Chat him on the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app or call 888-97-WOODS. Nine twenty is the time to wake up Wyoming. All right, they're at it again. Here we are in the holiday season. Now, of course, when it got around to Halloween, right away there were groups out there. Well, 
you know, can't have Halloween, you might be offending people. And of course, if you go out on Halloween, you got to worry about what you dress as because you might be cultural appropriating or offending someone or whatever the heck. You know. Okay, now we get to the next holiday. So <clears throat> here we go with decorations in City Hall. We got Thanksgiving coming up, stuff like that. The story says snowflakes in Wisconsin town banished Christmas. They banned Christmas colors and decorations at City Hall. Now, I understand that some cities will look at it and go, okay, we don't want to favor one religion over another. You know, you can still be festive, okay? But here's what the story says. How do I even pronounce this? Wauwatosa? W-A-U-W-A-T-O-S-A. You figure that out. Wisconsin is a town of about uh, 48,000 people, which is far bigger than most Wyoming towns, by the way. In uh, any at West town, for that matter, no matter what state around me you might be in. City officials are telling city employees at municipal offices and who decorate public spaces to skip using red and green. Employees are urged to use more neutral and inclusive decorations. Okay, so they're going to be festive. But no reds and greens, because reds and greens are not neutral, and they're not included, really. This is what happens when you have committees sitting around with nothing better to do. Now, I've mentioned this before. When it comes to, if I could wave my magic wand and get things the way I want it to be done, every type of government there is, city, county, state, federal, whatever it might be, they will meet rarely and for very short periods of time. So even a city council will meet maybe twice a year for just a few weeks. That way they're limited on how much business they can get done. Because when you have them meet constantly, this is the kind of garbage that they come up with. Now, even those places that are limited in how often they can meet, in in many cases, they still have bills that are offered up, different amendments or city ordinances, whatever the case might be, that are just like this. But they never make it because they have such a little amount of time to get things done that they just can't. They just, it dies. The bill dies. The ordinance dies. All right. So the story says it begins every year. We read reports about city officials who receive one too many participation trophies as a child and who don't ever want to be offended about anything again. In this case, town officials have decided to throw their small little town into the spotlight when it comes to any kind of, it says Christmas decorations, but let's just call it holiday decorations in general. No reds, no greens. The author says, I find it hard to believe that snowflakes are willing to go on record voicing disapproval over red and green decorations. City workers were issued decorating guidelines on how to decorate without offending people. And that arrived by an email from the city administrator and, and, and the mayor and so on. <clears throat> and then uh, they put this up on Twitter. Wisconsin right now. The city of... Wauwatosa, that's how I want to pronounce it, Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, wants city workers to avoid using red and green for Christmas decorations in city buildings. Oh, 
I can't believe I'm reading. They're supposed to use purple and blue instead. Because now, I don't know about you, but I am very offended by purple. Yeah, and it would be, it depends on I mean, what particular shade of purple we're talking about. But there's certain shades of purple that really offend the hell out of me. You have no idea. In fact, in fact, and I'll tell you exactly why. If we go back in history, oftentimes leaders, kings of great civilizations, way back a long time ago, some of the most brutal people that ever existed, people who owned slaves, and are guilty of genocide and war and all sorts of other, just great atrocities. Oftentimes, to show their level of importance and their wealth, they would wear purple. Purple was a very rare color that was hard to get. It was hard to make purple. It was an expensive color. So if anyone walked around wearing purple, they had money and power. Because in order to get purple, it took a lot of money and a lot of influence. So only the highest level authorities in the richest countries could ever wear purple. So they're saying, well, you can go ahead and decorate in purple. That's offensive. Because I'm using their own standards. See what I'm doing here? Their own standards. That's offensive to me that you would let them wear purple. They They could put purple up. Considering that purple represents evil, evil kings who are guilty of slavery and genocide and other such heinous crimes. Torture chambers, stuff like that. They want purple. So, okay, uh, they explain there how with the approaching holiday season that they wanted people to contemplate their commitment to creating a welcoming an inclusive environment. Yeah, so you got to get rid of red and green, you see, because that's not welcoming and inclusive. How many of you actually were uh, verklempt whenever you saw red or green? I mean, you just you just went into some kind of a tizzy. You had a meltdown. Does that bother you? The email noted how current Christmas decorations, especially red and green colors, are already widespread in public uh, counters across City Hall. And potentially other buildings. Oh, my God. Well, they're going to have to rip all that stuff out and burn it. But the mayor believes changing the color of holiday lights will help foster a more equitable and inclusive... Oh, my God. Changing the color of holiday lights will foster a more equitable and inclusive community. To this little town in Wisconsin, I want you to understand, this is what you've elected. This nonsense. This is what you think that these people are going to make your community better. This is what this is how they think. This is what they do. The mayor emphasized the importance of being considerate and decorating in public places during the season. The departments have also asked to not use religious decorations associated solely with Christmas. Um. Yeah, here's one. I got several people. Rhiannon Fort Danger, mistletoe is red and green, which is uh, pagan root. As a pagan who follows Loki, who had mistletoe used to murder Baldar, I am offended. Aha! You should write him a letter. Uh, Java Dad in Cheyenne, purple and blue together are a color of bruises, which celebrates domestic violence. Cade is in Laramie. Pronunciation help. Wisconsin towns are hard. Yeah, they are. 
Yeah, they get really dim. I, I love that one. They're the color of bruises. They celebrate domestic violence. Uh, this is what they voted in as their mayor. Of the, I bet the town is just a mess by now. If this is the kind of idiot they've... It's Wake Up, Wyoming. Thanks to the time, it's Wake Up Wyoming, and I think probably there's a contest here about the winning argument on the topic I just brought up, and that's with the Wisconsin town who wants to, for Christmas decorations, no red and green. We need to be inclusive, and red and green are not inclusive. Go for blues and purples. Well, now, I just pointed out that purple, of course... That's the color worn by a lot of kings way back when, who were brutal people, really brutal people. But wearing purple was, oh, if you wore purple, you were a big deal. But that's all inclusive. But G-Man in Gillette, this is good. Better remove the traffic lights. (laughs) Red and green, that's traffic lights. Oh, my God. Does that mean if you show up wearing red or green that you're just naturally offensive to somebody? I don't know how this works. I don't think in woke, so I don't know how this works. I just want to remember, just remind that Wisconsin town. This is on you, voters. You voted for this. This is what you voted for. It, yeah, if you look at your city council and think, oh, what a bunch of idiots. Well, who put those idiots in power? And if they stay in power, it just continues to show what a bunch of idiots you are. Okay, just point that out. All right, real quick, one last thing here. I never knew there was a word for this, but it makes sense. There was a guy, a comedian, I'm forgetting his name. Some of you might remember, you can remind me. A comedian who came out with a book. It was his own little dictionary. He called it Sniglets. Sniglets are words for things that don't have words. Like, for example, if you're pushing, one of my favorites, if you're pushing a shopping cart and there's always that one wheel that wobbles, what do you call that? He invented a word for it. I forget what the word is, but he forget he, inve- he invented a word for everything that doesn't have a word. And it was just a hysterical book. There is a word called fubbing. I think it's fubbing or pubbing. P-H-U-B-B-I-N-G. Would that be pubbing? Could be. All right. Well, let's you figure out the pronunciation of that. So the story says we've all been there. We've been slighted by the person we're speaking with because they, as we're talking to them, while we are talking to them, they reach for their smartphone to check social media notifications. This practice of snubbing is so common that the dictionary, the, I'm sorry, it's, a, it's not the regular dictionary, it's a specific dictionary that comes up with alternate words, came up with a new word called, and I want to say pubbing, 
The combination, oh, it is pubbing, of phone and snubbing. Okay, so it would be pubbing. You're on your phone snubbing somebody. Pubbing. Aha. Okay. I'll talk more about that tomorrow. Janelle is in Laramie. Hello, Joe. I wanted to just this that, you know, in all the stuff we hear about the renewable energies, et cetera, no one ever mentions hydropower. Right. And I don't know why uh, Wyoming isn't considering using more of that, building more hydropower yeah. versus all of these totally non-really renewable yeah. uh, energies. I, and a good example is the Little Snake River Dam that in such controversy right now if they were to put hydropower along with that then just think how many more people it would actually serve okay yeah now i i wonder out west especially and there can be a lot of water out here you know we're sort of a high plains desert but i also take a look at the um the, there's a group out there of environmentalists who want to tear down all of these dams because they think it gets in the way of all the fish moving freely so environmentalists actually want to tear down dams when i'm with you i'd like to build more because to me it's pretty obvious you can get just energy just because you know there's water in it it's flowing and then there is actually a uh, company i believe it's out of portland oregon that has invented a pump pump that comes out of like wild water towers yeah you know, where the cities get their main water sources. Mm-hmm. And if they they have hooked this up in Portland, I can't remember the name of the company, but the water pressure coming out of those water towers to supply just one water tower to supply a hundred people, a mm-hmm. hundred homes yeah, uh, out of just one of those pumps. And those are things that could be used that wouldn't affect the fish. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's so many things that America could be looking at right now um, that really, truly would be renewable sources and wouldn't damage the environment, wouldn't, you know, damage or endanger any species along that line. And right. There's also an idea that I came up with a while ago, which would be, um, and I'm going to see if I can find the spot here, called Founding Fathers Electric. And the idea is every time you hear a bunch of lies out of Washington, D.C., which is constantly, the Founding Fathers roll in their graves. So if you just hooked them up to a power source, we could get tons of power out of our Founding Fathers rotating in their graves. (laughs) <laughs> it's untapped energy if you think about it yes, yes. that's true <laughs> okay janelle thanks for calling in i appreciate it and miss mary is correcting me here okay uh it would be pronounced with an f sound i said a p the same way phone is i've always wondered why phone is p-h-o-n-e if it has an f sound shouldn't it be f-o-n-e right but i like to spell things more phonetically but i think you're right miss mary um so it would be uh, snubbing while on the phone would be, and, and that would be F. So the way they're doing this is PH, okay, like phone, fubbing. And fubbing is when you're talking to someone 
and they reach over and pick up the phone and they're going, oh, I'm listening, I'm listening. And they're checking their messages. And here's the deal. If, if I were ever on a date and she's on her phone a lot while I'm trying to talk to her, that date's going to end early. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Where Wyoming comes to talk. This is Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Be part of the show at 888-97-WOODS. Forty nine is the time. Wake up, my homie. Off we go to talk to Frank Gambino, who's over there in the ice box. Sometimes, Frank, I look stuff up because I I like expanding my horizons in my mind. Right? I, I know you yeah. do. Okay. Me, not so much. Not so much. Sometimes I look something up and I think I wish I hadn't done that because now my brain hurts. Yeah. Uh, well, no, no, no. You, you, you investigate one thing. Yes. And then you find four other things you need to investigate. Yeah, exactly. Which leads to four other things, which yeah. leads to two other things. And the last six things I didn't need to investigate See, at all. You're not wrong. Here's what it started with. So I came across a, it was just a picture of an apple. Now, specifically, I know I look at that apple and, and that's called a red delicious. Right. Okay. And so I'm looking up red delicious because there's many different kinds of apples, Frank. Mm-hmm. There's the Gala, the Honeycrisp, the Empire, the Cortland, the Fuji, the Polar Red, the Ambrosia, the Rocket, the Crisp Pink. I've never heard of that. The Bailey, don't know what that is. The Macintosh. I love Macintosh apples. They're great. The Rome, the Breedham, the Jonathan, and the Cameo. But then there's the Green Apples, the Granny Smith, the Crispin, yeah, oh, great, yeah. Rhode Island Greening, one that starts with the letter S that I can't even pronounce. And then there's the yellow ones, and there's four different yellow ones. Opal is a really good one. Those opal apples are great. And I thought, well, at least that's not the problem with bananas. Oh, Frank. One, two, three, four. There's a blue banana out there called a Java Blue. Oh. Uh, There's a red banana. Red? Red, yeah. Uh, Are we talking Mountain Dew or are we talking bananas? uh, Bananas, yeah. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 different kinds of bananas. Oh, okay. I had no idea, and now my head hurts. Frank, I just want a banana. You know what? Why don't you take a blue one and a red one uh, for a banana split? It reminds me, I was standing with, behind with a Neapolitan guy. With Neapolitan ice cream. I was standing behind a guy at Subway, and he didn't know what he wanted, so he just turned to the lady behind the counter, and he actually said, just make me a regular sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> no, that doesn't exist that anymore. That doesn't mean anything. She was it's, trying to explain. It's like regular coffee. In high school football, the state championship games were held on Friday and Saturday, and 4A Sheridan three-peated as the state champs with a 31-3 win over Cheyenne East. Sheridan ran the table this season at 12-0. They won 31 consecutive games. East finished at 10-2. Both losses were to Sheridan. Star Valley repeated as the 3A champs with a 27-0 win over Cody. Both teams finished at 10-1. Torrington won the 2A title with a 28-26 win over defending champion Bighorn. It was Torrington's first state title in football since 1990. Big Piney, the victor in the 1A nine-man championship with a 39-12 win over Wind River, and that was Big Piney's first title since 2006. In the 1A title game, Burlington won a state title for the first time since 1994 with a 42-39 win over Little Snake River. LSR has won their last, well, had won their previous 30 games. College football over the weekend, the Wyoming Cowboys played themselves out of any chance at the Mountain West Conference title game as they lost at UNLV on Friday 34-14. As big as this game was, the Cowboys were just flat to begin with. UNLV scored three touchdowns in the first 
third in the first quarter. To their credit, UW got back in the game as quarterback Andrew Peasley had a 32-yard run for a score, and Wyatt Weiland had a Weiland had a, had a score from the one. But that's all the gas the Pokes would have in the tank offensively, and that included a bad interception by Peasley near the end of the first half. UNLV found the end zone in the third quarter and kicked two field goals in the fourth quarter. Cowboys are six and four overall, three and three in Mountain West play. They've been great at home at six and zero, and brutal on the road at zero and four. And as Texas A&M said later earlier this week or this week or today, maybe they're stuck in neutral. They'll host Hawaii on Saturday afternoon in Larrabee. In the NFL tonight, the Denver Broncos will be in Buffalo to beat the Bills. The Broncos are 3-5, and five, which actually is not, not too bad considering uh, how poorly the season started. The Bills with former UW quarterback Josh Allen 5-4, and four, and that's not good considering all the hype the team got before the season started. Men's college basketball from Saturday. The Wyoming Cowboys beat Cal Poly in Larrabee 80-66 thanks to 19 points from Cam Manuel. He was 7-7 seven for seven from the floor. Cowboys will be in the Myrtle Beach South Carolina tournament this week to play St. Louis on Thursday. Wyoming Cowgirls lost to Nebraska on Friday in Laramie, 71-52, and they will be at Denver University tomorrow evening, and that's it in sports. There are 16 different kinds of peaches. Ah! See, I just thought it was a peach. There's 16 different kinds. 16 different kinds. This I did know, having grown up in Florida. There's 10 different kinds of oranges. Really? Yes. Uh, One is called the common orange, which you commonly have. Mm -hmm. Mandarin. Yeah, I've heard that, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Clementine. No. Blood red orange, which is I've red heard of that, middle. yeah. Navel orange. Yes. Acidless, I like that. No. The Jaffa, not Java, but Jaffa, Hamlin. There is one called the pineapple orange, and it does have sort of a pineapple-y. And then there's Sumatra orange, just to name. Yeah, well, that's the 10 right there. I knew that because I grew up around orange trees. That they're all well, yeah, the rows and rows and yeah. rows and, and rows and you, rows. You just thought, I just thought there was one kind of peach. Well, okay, Frank. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Let's wake up Wyoming.